It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up in War Eagle War Report family? You got Ike Jones. We are here with another morning drop today. We are talking about turnovers. Can Auburn find a way to protect the football against Texas A&M this weekend? Y'all know we got to talk about it right here. Y'all know how we do. War Report style. Let's drop it on them. Morning drop. We're here. It's a Monday morning. You got Ike Jones in here talking a little bit about protecting the football. Auburn has not done a great job of doing that. Done a much better job this season of getting takeaways, but got to do a better job of protecting the football this season. Uh, Before we get into the conversation, as always, I want y'all to do the necessary If you're out there in podcast land, make sure that you guys are giving us a five-star review on podcast. That definitely helps us out a lot. We appreciate everybody who continues to support us in that way. Dropping in this morning with me is my guy, B-Will, coming in. What's up, man? How you feeling this morning, B-Will? Feeling good. Feeling refreshed. Kind of. But, you know, we're we going to get started. We're going to get started with the week. We're going to get started with uh, Texas A&M week. I feel like I've got enough hate to do all the hating for Texas yeah. A&M. Yeah, listen, man, it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a proper Texas A&M week if you weren't in here yeah. to be able to talk a little bit about your favorite coach to hate. Is that fair to say this is your favorite coach to hate? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, man. The, the sting has been taken out because now he's shown that he's, you know, incompetent. So now it's not as much fun because everybody's talking about oh, is Jimbo over it. Yeah, okay. I've been on that. Now I gotta find somebody yeah. else to get ahead of the curve on. See, I'm on Lincoln Riley. 
Lincoln Riley okay. now. See, that's that's let's go be my new talk. But we got to bury Jimbo's career first. I mean, can we find somebody else in in the SEC? Don't you know what I'm saying? Because Lincoln Riley's not somebody we're gonna play on a regular basis. We need we need some localized hate. You know what? You, you know what? Let me let me work on that. Let me think about who we want to okay. take down next. But yeah, Jimbo on the way out. Jumbo on the way out. We can really put the first nail in his coffin. Like the Bama dynasty is coming to an end. We can get Jimbo up out of here too. All right. We can do that this weekend. I'm, I'm a little torn on whether or not we should do that because he's incompetent. We should keep him at a school that's willing with deep pockets like Texas A&M. But right, right now we're focused on him and Texas A&M. Let's get them out of here this weekend. I need Cam Coleman back in the class, baby. Yeah. That'd be nice to be able to have a class that includes three dynamic receivers like Perry Thompson, Bryce Kane, Cam Coleman, and be. Hey, uh, Simmons ain't bad either. You freeze ain't playing with this. Oh, I forgot. See, I forgot about Simmons. That's how crazy that junk is. This receiver class. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's going to be crazy. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, today's topic though, we're talking about turnovers. Uh, of course, today is Monday. We do a little mu- metrics on Monday. So I went and dug into the metrics and there, I mean, the, the surface metrics say Auburn has given the ball away just as much as they've taken it away right, this season. Right. Right. So we've got seven turnovers on the year. And we have also given the ball away or taken the ball away seven times this season. Mm. Texas A&M on the other hand has, uh, turned it over three times this year. And um, only taking it away twice, right? Mm. So they have not really had games where turnovers have been the biggest factor, right? right? But they are a team, I think, that Auburn can't afford to be. The, we've been able to get away with being sloppy. That Cal game where we had, you know, UMass, great. Didn't turn the ball over one time against UMass. Had one throw that, if we're being honest, probably should have been picked off. But a great yeah. uh, play there by Javarius Johnson to be able to, to snag that away before the defender could jump the route. But then you get to UMass, I mean, excuse me, to Cal, and you have a four-turnover game, right? You go forward. I mean, and at least we're progressing in the right direction as far as the numbers are. But in Sanford... You turn the ball over three times, and it's just like, yo, what are we doing out here, man? Like, yeah, was it three turnovers against Sanford? I feel three, like my numbers. It was three, two picks and one muff punt. That's right, the muff punt. Yeah. That's what I'm forgetting. I was like, I don't the muff punt. Yeah, so seven turnovers so far this season, all seven of them coming in the last two games. Auburn needs to change that. I mean, of course, again, the trajectory is going in the right direction. I guess you could say from four to three. You know, but I just don't know that we're going to be able to get away with turning the ball over at this rate against SEC competition. So my question to you, B. Will, is what do you think that Auburn needs to do to be better about the turnover situation? Because, I mean, the fumbles, you know, that's ball security, right? Like the first one from Peyton Thorne, that's just crazy, right? The the next two that are from running backs – are really more so uh, Damari. I don't fault him completely for his. That one's the of the turnovers we have this season. The Damari fumble, I think, is the only one to me that feels acceptable. Okay, just because I I fully believe that Damari Austin was concussed, and it's a little difficult to be able to be secure with the football when you're not fully aware of where you are at the time. Right. Yeah. Every other turnover we've had this season, though, bad. They were all bad. 
What do we have to do to get? I mean, how 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 does a coach correct a turnover issue, man? I don't. You know, last year we were having the same question, and of course, people were trying to pin it on the head coach being responsible for the ball being fumbled out of players' hands. Of course, it was never on the head coach specifically. I think the turnovers we've had this year mostly have been Peyton Thorne throwing the ball to the other team, more so than any other form of turnover. We did have two running back fumbles. Mm-hmm. On two running back fumbles that and we lost a muffed punt. And a muffed punt outside of interception. So if, if we're looking at each one of, of Peyton Thorne's interceptions, some of them you get, like we, we got confirmation that the, the communication between where Hooks was supposed to be on that route, where Peyton throwing through the ball. I expected mm-hmm. a lot of those. Hey, you're not in the right spot. Well, I'm going to throw it where you're supposed to be. I expected that. That's that's what I expect when a new new quarterback comes in, running a new offense with new wide receivers. I expect miscommunication turnovers. I think that's a part of the growth. I don't fault the quarterback and the wide receiver for that. This is a necessary part of getting to know each other on the field with real reps and real game time. I think that's acceptable. I know you say, well, Damari, he got concussed. And of course, we understand how that affects ball security. But not that any turnover is acceptable. I expected that type of growing, those types of growing pains. What I didn't mm-hmm. expect was I'm pressing and I'm going to really try to do this, not from an experienced QB. That's what I did not expect. I think those have been the worst turnovers. We saw two of them against Samford. Even though, of course, we could say, hey, well, he actually got the ball two hooks on his hands. I saw that camera that from the the back end zone camera shot, it was crowded. It was too many people in there trying to make that throw. So I think that's a that's been a negative is him pressing, Peyton Thorne pressing, trying to throw the ball and throwing late, throwing early. Some of that may still be a, a bit of an experience in the system with his wide receivers, some of it. Some of it. Maybe you don't don't make that throw. You know, well, I can't really I can't really do that here with these players yet. Like, I don't have that. If I if I make this motion, you know, I'm throwing low and away. So only you can get it. If he doesn't have that yet, then how do you even attempt to make those throws? Well, the answer is you shouldn't. But later on in the season, maybe you can. Maybe you've had enough reps with these guys, enough end zone red zone opportunities to make those throws. I think experience is the number one thing that we can have that can get us settling Peyton Thorne down so he's not taking unnecessary risks and he knows how to get these guys the ball in a way where it's not so risky because you've repped it. You see a lot of uh, NFL combinations, QBs and wide receivers, they can make these throws to their wide receivers because they know. They know where the wide receiver likes the ball. Okay, you like it right there. Cool. I'm going to throw it. It's going to look like I'm trying to throw it at the ground, but really I know you have the range to go and get this and make this catch. That then it, it becomes a part of the offense of like uh, we always talked about um, what's his name Patrick Mahomes and his wide receivers like they their scramble drill was elite you know this guy this is backyard football now because I know this quarterback is going to get me the ball no matter where I am and Patrick Mahomes can expect his wide receivers to make a play on the ball no matter where he puts it we don't have that type of continuity I mean we don't have that type of quarterback I mean this this was not for that comparison sake but. At least you can get on the same page with the wide receiver so they know, okay, play's broken. Here's what I can expect from Peyton Thorne. Let me get in position and make an opportunity for him to get me the ball. We're not there yet. We got these big bodies. Most of them have been hurt, by the way. Martin is hurt. 
And um, mm -hmm. Jair Shorter just got on the field. Camden right. Brown hasn't been on the field a lot. So right. all of these big bodies that were supposed to make these types of, of plays easier have not been on the field yet. We could be a few weeks away from getting those big bodies back and some of these completions, some of these incompletions and INTs being completions. We could be close to that. I think it's just a matter of time. I don't expect the running back fumbles to continue at all. I, I, I think that was a one-off bad night for the running backs at Cal. I don't think that keeps going, but I definitely think that experience and repetitions on the field, that means during this tough slate at A&M, home against Georgia, at LSU, we come out of that steeled and prepared for the rest of our schedule. What our win-loss looks like, I'm not sure, but I know we're going to come out of there a lot more prepared and taking better care of the ball. Yeah, listen, the, the issue that I have is, you know, and, and people say this a lot after the Cal game, is, you know, our offense looks disjointed. And, I mean, actually, you remarked on this. It might not have been as bad if we didn't have the drive-killing turnovers. Right. Right? Okay, the, you, you don't feel as bad about that game if you're not killing yourself when you actually get some momentum going right. and then you turn the ball over. I mean, you could say really the same thing about that Sanford game. Though the score looks impressive, right, right we – dominated the first half of that game mm -hmm. and did not have the points to show that domination because of the red zone turnovers, right. right? You literally have an interception in the end zone on the first drive. The second drive, you get down into the red zone and it's a fourth down stop. So it's a turnover on downs. Uh, you, later in the game, you have the big turnover uh, to Coy Moore on the deep shot, right? Like you were in control of this game and you gave that control away Theoretically, it's Sanford, mm -hmm. so they don't take advantage of those things. But I don't, I mean, is that sustainable? Is it sustainable that you can just have your defense come bail you out over and over again when you've put them in tough scenarios in Cal? Um, you know, luckily against Sanford, each of the turnovers was on the very, it's, it's the opposite end of the field. Right. So they've got to drive the entirety of the field, right? right. Like it's essentially, you know, a, a punt into the end zone on two of those right. because they're interceptions in the end zone. And the third one, you're inside the red zone and it's a fourth down stop, but right. it's, you know, right on the brink of the red zone. So they've still got to drive the entirety of the field to take advantage of it. Wasn't the case against Cal. Cal, those, you know, the first interception, I mean, excuse me, the first fumble, you, they, they're in the red zone already, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the other interceptions uh, that happened in those games were closer to the middle of the field, or the other interceptions, I should say, and the fumbles closer to the middle of the field. So you're you're putting your defense essentially up against it immediately, right. and they rise to the challenge. Is that sustainable? Like, you know, I know we're working through kinks with receivers and trying to figure out timing, but, I mean, we don't have no more time for that, no, right? So. Over. Either they're in position to do that now or they're going to continue. If that's the problem, is that a solution, right? Does the solution just – have we fixed it because we got a couple of reps in versus Sanford? No, we're not fixed because we haven't had pressure put on us like we're going to have pressure put on us going forward. I mean, Texas A&M is a better defense than we played this season. They are the True. best defense. I don't even know if they're a good SEC defense, but they're definitely – Texas A&M currently ranked number 38 in the country, giving up 5.52 yards per play, 298.2 yards per game um, on defense so far this season. They are the 12th ranked uh, pass defense, excuse me, the 51st ranked uh, pass defense in the country, 35th ranked uh, rush defense in the country currently by the numbers. Yeah. And some of that was they played 
two cupcakes, just like we play two cupcakes. So these week, these week, yeah, our numbers metrics. look better than theirs overall. Um, okay. You know, on defense, we're 14th ranked as opposed to theirs 38th. We're 42nd against the rush, so they're slightly better there. We're 12th ranked against the pass; they're 51st. So we had some cushion by playing the one of the worst Power Five teams. <laughs> we played one of the worst Power Five teams. They played Miami, who's definitely more more. Cal's defense is now ranked in like the top fifteen in the country, right? Like, so I mean, it is. I'm talking about shown. what our offense. Excuse me, our offense versus uh, Cal's defense. Cal's offense, yeah, yeah, Off, yeah. for just defense, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm 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 not saying that Texas A&M is, of course, poor. They've they've got talent. I don't know how good they are. We don't know how good they are. Miami could have schemed them up great. Just schemed them up, got the best of them, and they'll be back to locking things down. But Miami looked very fluid with the pass in that game. Now, I think we talked about this. We don't look fluid with the pass yet. We started to look fluid against an FCS school. I don't think that that translates forward to, hey, we look great next week and we flipped a switch. You're asking for a lot because one thing that Miami had that we did is continuity. John Brandon, there you go. Yeah. We ha- they have had the same quarterback. They went through a rough, rough stretch in, in last year, and they didn't even look great week one against their opponent before Texas A&M came to town. They apparently planned for that. They had something ready for that guy. They saw the same defensive coordinator from year one to year two. They had the same quarterback <laughs> from year one to year two. They had a lot going that made it much easier for them to plan and attack what Texas A&M was not going to be good at, and they executed that p- plan perfectly. We haven't executed any game perfectly yet it's i saw more from miami than i've seen from us so far and it makes me wonder if we have that in us yet at this point in the season mm. i'm not sure i mean is it necessary for us to have necess- like what miami had as far as that's concerned it, so here here's the overarching question i guess i want to get to before we get to our break is it enough for auburn to just take care of the football and we go out there and win we win the turnover battle do we win the game in this game or are we going to, like, can we win an ugly game that doesn't include turnovers where it's a bunch of punts, maybe, is my question there. I don't think so. I I, th- I think we need to, this can't be an ugly game where we're turning the ball over a couple of, Peyton Thorne can't press, well, no, let me, let's back up. He can't throw two end zone INTs and we win this game. Like that, like even if it. our if our defense gets three takeaways, so would that make up for it? Like, do we just need to win the battle, or do we need to be mistake free on offense? It's really hard. It's really difficult to know if Texas A and M is the type of team that is good enough to where any mistakes against them are going to cost you the game. Like mm-hmm. we we know that's that's how good Alabama has been or Georgia has been in the past. We don't know if Texas A&M is that good yet. They didn't look that good against their one power five opponent. But again, we haven't looked that good against our one power five opponent. So it's really hard to right. say that they're that bad or that good. What I've seen from us so far leads me to believe we actually don't get too down. Like mistakes aren't going to kill us. The, the morale right. of the team, the defense will go, okay, no, I got you. All right. And, and not be out there hanging their heads because they got to go back on the field. That's great. Can they keep the game in check for us? Like, I don't think we're they're going to go out there and stop an opponent five times if they if the opponent starts on our side of the field. I think that was that was a one time thing. Okay, that was a very bad opponent. But what they can do is limit them to a couple of field goals. What they can do is, you know, once they get on our side of the field, bowl up. Does Texas A&M have a field goal kicker? Hey, that's that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. That's I haven't question. watched enough of their games. Um, so the turnovers, of course, we don't want to do it. We don't want to give the ball away. That's going to bury us. 
Will that decide the game? It's like, I just I just don't know if Texas A&M is good enough to worry about it, but it really still depends on what Peyton Thorne can do. How long does it take him to settle in? I think Hugh Freeze and company have a plan to get the offense going. They, they have some things they want to do with the passing game. Can Hugh, can uh, can Peyton Thorne settle down? How quickly can he settle down? Once he settles down, I think we're going to be hard to stop. He needs to settle down quickly so we can risk, uh, excuse me, reduce the risk of damage done by turnovers. I don't think we can afford to do a lot of them. One or two early, sure, but the defense gives you like a only a 06 hole. Oh, we're only down six points. Okay, now we can get cooking and get moving. But any more than that, I don't think you go down more than double digits and stay in this game. I don't. Yeah, we can't have a start like we did against Cal where literally the first drive, three plays in, we turned the ball over and they're in plus territory more often than not in the first half of that game consistently. Uh, War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from the War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now here's the rest of your morning drop. Anyway, uh, y'all know we're getting into the time now where we're going to get into the comments. We appreciate you all jumping in for us here on the morning drop. Always want to hear your thoughts on the subject. We'll get it started with Corey Weber here who says we have to protect the football against A&M. If we expect to have a chance, they will come out fighting with their backs against the wall. Yeah. Um, this is something we talked about a little bit preseason and then repeated again once it came to fruition. If Texas A&M loses the Miami game, there's going to be a bit of desperation for that Texas A&M team when they get to facing us and we're, we're coming into College Station. Um, I think that that's true. I just I don't know 
that Texas A&M wants to go 0-2 in Power 5 games this early in the season and definitely does not want their overall record to be 2-2 when they're kicking off SEC play. So yeah, their backs are more against the wall than ours, right. but I do believe that this is a game when you're projecting forward for Auburn's season that Auburn absolutely needs to be able to stay in that bowl contention conversation. Yeah, we, we had, I think, how our bosses, tosses, and losses shook out. We Most of us had this as a toss-up game. This looked very much winnable after you saw how they got carved up by Miami. So, okay, we know they're at least deficient in some places. Do we have enough right now? Because now that Miami win made them desperate. As much as we loved the idea of Jimbo having two losses in September and him being firmly on the hot seat, they're going to be fighting like hell, man. And this would be an impressive win, not because A&M is the greatest team in the conference this year, but because they have every reason to come back and and sit at home and fight against a 2-2 two and two start. If we can get this win, I think it says a lot about the team he Freeze is putting together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this would be... I, I mean, I don't really even know if it matters how they get the win. Mm, and and no. let me tell you where I was going with my initial thought. I would say that this would be the, the statement win so far this season. I don't know that Cal counts as a statement no. win. Uh, I don't think anybody on that Auburn team expected to be in a dogfight at Cal. They expected to go across country and get a W against Cal. Right. Like that was a confident team walking in there that didn't execute right. well. But they expected that win. This is where we start to get into the place where some doubt gets to be changed in the opposite direction if you can go out here and put a W up on the road against Texas A&M. Not because Texas A&M is so great, but but because for the longest, people have just been saying that I don't know that this team, this Auburn team, has the talent to compete in the SEC. You go out there and you get an SEC win, regardless of who it is, I think it starts to change some perceptions of some people about this program. Yeah. Uh, you have any thoughts about that? I don't know if it changes the perceptions from externally because I don't think people will value Texas A&M that highly. It, it won't be a statement win for people outside. It'll be like Colorado beating Colorado State, right? right? It'll be like, right. oh, okay, I mean, I know it's a conference game, but it's let, let's settle down. It's Colorado right. State. Well, um, kind of Colorado State for where Colorado has come from, any win looks good for them. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. But for, I mean, but listen, we we both were kind of in the dumps last we were, year, right? We were both five win teams, not looking really great the entirety of that season. Um, I think it's as far as levels, it's comparable, right? There are two right now, people think bottom of the SEC West programs fighting it out, right. getting the win, I guess promote somebody out of the cellar. Yeah. I mean, it, it at least puts you on the path to, you're still competitive. You're still in the game. I, I, I want, I want this win, man. I, want this, I, I don't, I want to be better than Jimbo. Look at, at least let's be better than Jimbo Fisher for a second straight year. I would love that, but I, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll change opinions from outside, especially if it doesn't look fluid. If it's a turnover fest and people are fighting it out and, and, if it's not a fluid offense that we see that looks like it's propelling us to a victory, a coaching victory where we had the answer to whatever they threw at us defensively, the people will say, oh, I don't know, Texas Ham, that just looks kind of bad. They might just be a bad. We saw them look bad once. We saw them look bad right. again. Now it's Texas A&M is bad. Not that Auburn is good. But we still got some time to turn right. around, even if that's yeah. the case. I believe it. Chris S. asked the question, 
can we not get Batty to field punts? Punts and kickoffs. He hasn't traditionally been a punt returner in his career. He's been kickoff returner. It's not that I don't think that he can. I just don't think that that's like his best role for the team. Yeah. Uh, but they got to get a solution out there if Keontae Scott's not going to be healthy. And uh, if he has a high ankle sprain, as reported, um, he's not going to be there for the next couple of weeks. So we got to get a solution, even if it's just going back there and fair catching all of them with Jay Simp like they did um, mm-hmm. in this previous game. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was happening with VAR as to why he came out of the game. And, um, maybe after that month to punt, somebody fell on him weird and he you know, was, was banged up. Yeah. Um, he didn't come back in after that. Jay Fair, uh, you know, as much as I think he's a talented guy, I don't think he's a punt returner. So, you know, we're going to have to figure out another solution back there at punt return. Um, and I don't know what other guys we have on the team that are dynamic in that way. So maybe just get a sure-handed person, have them go back there and fair catch everything. And if it's just wide open, all right, take off with it. But yeah, usually the most athletic wide receivers and cornerbacks play some punt coverage in in high school. Maybe J.C. Hardy. I don't know if he did or not. He's fast enough. Yeah. Somebody with the speed and who did it in high school, those seem to be the, the most prime candidates. Jeremiah Cobb, right? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Like that, oh, yeah. Now, he's got the speed and the jukes. He might be a good a good option. He's already been on the field, comfortable. I mean, hey, they'll figure it out. They know what they got out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but with uh, that, that's where it becomes interesting, too. The, the reason why I would not be really in favor of Batsy right now is because – uh, we don't know what Jarquez Hunter's situation is right now with him having the lower ankle foot situation in this last game. Is he going to be healthy enough to play? And if not, then you still want to have your three-back rotation. So you want to throw Batsy and Cobb back there on punts? Not really, right? right? right. Like you want to make sure that they're healthy enough to to be able to carry the ball during the game because you're going to have to – you're going to need those three. I mean, you still have Steven Jackson. I don't want to pretend as if Steven Jackson is not a viable um, running back on this roster. So. Uh, Yes, Sean Jackson. Steven Jackson's a really good Uh, running back, too. He just didn't play football. He was a really good running back. He just didn't have a play for Auburn football right now. Um, But, yeah, Sean Jackson is still a viable candidate. So, I don't know. They definitely need to come up with a solution over this week. It'll be interesting. I wonder if that's going to be a topic of conversation this week during the presser as to what they're going to do with punt return duties in uh, the absence of Keontae Scott. And Donovan Kaufman used to be a pretty good punt returner, but he's also been injured. So, like, he – I don't know if you risk putting him back there, right? right? So, if he's coming back – I don't know what they do. So um, we'll see what happens in that regard. Stephen Riley jumps in and says, turnover on downs two. Yes, those have been a problem for Auburn so far. Fourth and short, we have not been able to capitalize on those. So uh, drive-killing turnovers, whether that is fumbles, interceptions, muffed punts, or turns turning it over on downs, have plagued this Auburn offense so far and have colored the perception of what Auburn can do offensively yeah. just because you've killed your own drives by giving the ball away mm-hmm. um, at inopportune times. Um, because really, we haven't punted the ball a lot this season. No, we, we haven't punted it, but we haven't done it a lot. No, we We've given the ball away in a lot of ways. It's either been touchdowns or turnovers, pretty much. Yeah. Like either we're gonna score it or we're just gonna give you the ball. Like that pretty much seems like what that's uh, been this, so far this yeah. season. I, w- I would like to get Chapman some more work, please. <laughs> As opposed to turning the ball over, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Agnes jumps in and says, "Well, that means we have really improved on taking the ball away since it seems to keep gifting it over and over to your opponent." Turnovers have definitely been better. We've been more opportunistic on defense this year than we have been of recent history. We have, and a lot of that has come from the defensive backfield, and that makes me really excited. Jay Simp is back there eating, 
doing a fantastic job in this year. Um, we've gotten some fumbles too. I, we've been able to dial up the pressure, at least when we were completely healthy. We were dialing up the pressure pretty well. We will see what this. This is just going to be a really good test to see what we're made of. Can we turn over a team that's at home, that's talented, equal athletes? Yes. That this is this is the test. I think we've all been waiting for to see how the right. first three games went. Let's let's get on the road and see what we got. Eric Montgomery says, I think part of the turnover issue is college football doesn't have a preseason. Auburn is trying to evaluate players and identify their team's strengths. A lot of trial and error. I agree. That's some of it. I've I've, I've seen people remark about the pros as well, saying the first few weeks of the pro season, because in preseason they are playing, but their starters aren't really playing. They're really just trying to evaluate all these other people. So getting all the pros on the field and getting them to execute game plans you work some of this stuff out, and then by October, they're who they're going to be. It's kind of the same thing for us. You you put yourself at risk when you play a, a quality team in the first couple of weeks of, of the year. So, yeah, we, we didn't have to play a quality team, but we looked rough because a lot – 42% uh, – not 42%, 42 players on this roster are brand new to this roster. We turned over more than half the starters. This is a really big deal. So we we do have to get in rhythm. There is a lot of trial of error. I, I agree, Eric. Yeah. Um, Miller House says, shout out to J.D. Rim on his interception last Saturday. We meet need more of the youngsters to step up. I was definitely excited, number one, to see him back from injury. Yeah. He had been injured the vast majority of the offseason for Auburn. Um, and to see him get playing time, but then to see him step up and make a play during that playing time as well. I've been high on him since he has been at Auburn. Um, I liked when I saw him come in last year and play a little bit and his ability to be uh, physical as an outside DB. And I feel as if the outside corner position watching him and um, K and Lee go out there and play. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, our outside corner is going to be all right next year when J when, when um, DJ and Nehemiah get up out of here. Yeah. Those two young men will be holding down the outside corner position quite admirably for all. Outside, we're going to be good. We need another headhunter like DK, though. We we need a couple more. Listen, I liked, I, I think Caleb actually did really good when he came in and played. Caleb Wooden did a good job when he was in here. Now, he's still not quite physically the same as a Keontae Scott or a um, Donovan Kaufman. Mm -hmm. But I like what we have in guys like Sylvester Smith that could come in and play that role. Um, what's the other young man that was – we've got some guys, I think, that can fill in right there in that position. Um, Auburn's defensive backfield is is going to be formidable for some years to come if we're able to keep this young talent in here the way that we have been right yeah, now. We keep it stocked. We're going to be good. Yeah. Um, Chris S. with a couple here. First, he says he might have been feeling himself on that double coverage INT. It was inexplicable. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I think that was one of those where he had predetermined before the snap, I'm going to, you know, he liked whatever look that he had with Coy Moore on that and didn't really look to see what the safety was doing on it because I mean, it was darn near triple coverage that he yeah. threw into because the other backside safety was rotating over as well. I was just like, yo, this, like, I, I don't know if you thought he was going to transform into Calvin Johnson mid-route or whatever was going to happen. You know, like, I know he's Calvin Johnson's Megatron, but I don't think that his base form is Coy Moore. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I don't know what he thought he was seeing down there, my boy. But yeah. And Coy Moore is good, yeah. but he's six foot 
and he ain't jumping out the gym right. type right. situation, bro. So I don't know what that was. And for Jair Stewart um, to be visible, like in his same frame, it's not like he was left the field and then Coy was right of field. Like, no, like if you just, if you look at that Coy, you saw Jair Stewart right here running wide open. Yeah. Man, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then the other one from Chris S. here says, next three games are rough. We've got to have this one. I think that, you know, for a confidence for this team uh, going forward, is they need to get an SEC win under their belt because I don't know that you want to try to get your first SEC win at home against Georgia. And if you fail against that one, then have your first SEC win to try to go on the road against LSU. That's, that's tough. That's a tough three-game stretch. Yeah. So. Yeah, you, you definitely want to try to get your first win out here against Texas A&M. And that's not an easy proposition to go into College Station. Though Auburn tradition – people say stuff like this. Oh, Auburn's always been good on the road against Texas A&M. And though that has seemed to be the trend since the Texas A&M-Auburn situation has come to fruition uh, in, in SEC play, this is a completely different team, completely different coach, right? So – like we can throw all of that pretty much out the window and just talk about where we are right now as programs. Right. Texas A&M is in the position that they're in, which they're trying to battle back to respectability in the SEC. Right. And so is Auburn. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, that puts us on equal footing. Then you have to give slight advantage Texas A&M because they're at home. Yeah. Slight advantage Texas A&M because they do have a second year guy coming in starting at quarterback. Right. But, I think we have the better head coach. Yes. I think the early start time favors Auburn. I agree. And I think that we have a defense that's better this year than the defense last year Connor Wigman was going against. Um, so Auburn has its advantages in this, but I agree with this statement. We need this one to get out early in SEC play. Yeah, for real. All right. Uh, JB jumps in and says, is it me or do we rarely recover our own fumbles? Um, mm. This se- I mean, last season we recovered a lot of our own fumbles because we fumbled the ball a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot last year. Mm. Uh, but this year, I mean, we haven't recovered any of them, I don't think. I think every fumble that we've uh, had we lost. I don't, I can't, I can't in my, uh, you know, I'm not looking at stats right now, but in my mind, I can't think of a time where we fumbled the ball and we recovered that fumble yeah. so far this year. If it happened, it was like once. So I don't know. I mean, we've fumbled the ball in, in very precarious positions right at the sideline yeah. by yourself. Other than the muff punt. Ex- right. I, I, and I don't know if right. it, the muff punt, but yeah. I mean, you're outnumbered when you muff a punt. You got three people coming down there to get you and you by yourself. So, and the same thing when you're running the ball, and towards the end of a run when you're getting tackled, you're into the other team's secondary players. It's more of them than you right. down there. Like, when we fumble at the line of scrimmage, much better t- uh, opportunity to recover. You got your lineman down there. Somebody's going to see it pop out, and you can f- fall right. on it. But we haven't been fumbling there, thankfully. So our plays are getting a chance to get going because that's something. That's one way we killed ourselves before was the quarterback getting pressured and getting stripped, uh, the quarterback just losing the ball. We haven't had that happen, so at least we've had that improvement. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we will be in a better position to be able to capitalize on the fumbles if they do happen against Texas A&M in this game. But let's just hope we don't have to worry about recovering no fumbles yeah. unless we're forcing them things. And let's get out here and get a W. All right. We got to get Drop! Drop!